Hier in Zetsel word aan jou gebring die Radio Kaapse Kansel op 729 AM. Bezoek ons gerust by www.kaapsekansel.co.za Intimacy A place for deep connection With yourself, those close to you And, and with, with God. God Thank you for joining us wherever you are yeah, we're a couple that have been learning about intimacy from our own challenges over the last 38 years. I'm Frederick Wools. And I'm Suki Wools. Both of us are licensed counsellors and we're looking forward to embark with you on a journey towards greater intimacy. We'll talk about what's needed not only for authentic, fulfilling relationships, but also for lasting relationships. Especially in those times when there are multiple distractions such as our phones, social media, and that rob us from intimate relationships with God, with other human beings, and with ourselves. Last week we spoke about different forms of intimacy, some of the obstacles towards it, and the environment in which intimacy can grow. Today, dear friends, we'll be going to use one of these requirements for intimacy called vulnerability to share with you some of our journey from being disconnected towards greater intimacy. Oh, dear Frederick, yeah. it's at that point that I want to run away. <laughs> it's scary to share our story with so many listeners out there. I'm scared we'll be judged. Yes, 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 my dear. When I think about how much pain, hurt, and harm I caused to myself, to you, to our relationship as a couple, and in my relationship with God and others, I cringe. I was engaged in relationships, but only at a very late stage in my, real, in my life did I realize that it lacked the ingredient that I greatly desired intimacy. And what do you think contributed to that? Well, I never thought that uh, this started so far back in my life until I read a book by Patrick Carnes that said that the foundation of intimacy is laid at a very young age, from birth to the age of two and sometimes even longer. When I look back, I can see that that was where the foundation of my lack of intimacy was laid. I was born premature, and my mother had lost 13 babies between my brother that was old, 12 years older than me and myself. Wow. Yeah, my mother suffered from depression after the birth and was not able to take care and nurture me not like mothers really are to do. My father was an alcoholic and busy working on the farm, and as a result, I never bonded closely with my parents. So, instead of that intimate bond, fear came into the place and laid the foundation of an intimacy disorder, which caused me not to be able to connect deeply with myself and others. When this happened, it created the potential 
for addictions to develop later on in my life and later on in other people's lives. My parents, like many others, loved me and loved yourself, those people, with uh, very much. Um, so when this happened, it creates a potential for addictions to develop later on in life. My parents loved me very much like most parents, did the best they could amidst their own brokenness and wounds. Unknowingly, however, they passed these wounds on, on to me. Hmm. Yeah, that's so sad, but that's what happens to so many of us, right? Uh, and you, Suki, what do you want to tell our friends about your start of your story? When you were born, I wasn't even thought of, as I came into the world almost eight years after you. Interesting that I was the oldest child born in the 60s, oh, the oldest child of my family born in the 60s, also into a family with an alcoholic father. I had no idea that it affected me the way it did. My dad did his best to provide for our family. And I remember when I was five years old, my mom told me that my dad was an alcoholic, and that was like a disease. We had to help him. From then on, I tried to assist my mom as much as I could. She was always very positive and, and really encouraged me to, to come alongside her and to see the bright side of things. That, all that helping and fixing that I did led to an overdeveloped sense of responsibility and I became a caretaker and a fixer. I never learned to pay attention to my feelings and was taught to always look at the bright side. That caused me to deny reality. Neglecting our negative feelings can lead to dysfunctions and set the stage for unhealthy relationships and lack of intimacy later in life. Little did I know that it had set me up to one day be in a relationship with another addict. Hmm. It's just amazing to me to see how similar our stories are and how our characters were shaped by our families of origin, like all other families. And out there are not perfect families. Mm -hmm. In spite of our best efforts to raise our children in a godly way, it's not surprising to me that we were attracted to each other at a youth camp where we just clicked. I was so impressed with this young leader who was teaching the kids with so much passion about and creativity. But you looked so old with that beard that I, coming mm -hmm. from an Afrikaans background, thought you were an uncle. Nevertheless, you were impressed by this uncle with his untamed beard. Before long, few others on the farm lines, telephone lines, had the opportunity to talk as we were lovingly talking for hours as we got to know each other. I guess that was an opportunity for real intimacy, emotional intimacy, and maybe intellectual intimacy. <laughs> and from the very beginning, there was a sexual spark in the relationship. But it was very important to both of us as Christians to abstain from a sexual relationship. And that was one of the reasons we got married so soon. We were both elated to be happily married and were proud of the fact that we didn't fight or have conflict. 
Yeah, so it was about in our third year of marriage that we realized that we had been robbed of by our past of the gift of conflict as a pathway to intimacy. The fact that we got all the information and how to effectively handle conflict, it did not help much. This pattern of communication became the norm in our marriage and in our family. It led me to turn my anger inward and led to depression. Mm. Suki, how did you experience it? Yes, that was really hard, especially when you became so depressed. Um, I remember I struggled with high levels of anxiety, and that often propelled me to control. Mm. I just wanted to solve the problems we encountered, but we were not able to resolve. Mm. And that's just where the pauper hits the fan. From my childhood wounds, I believe that any conflict was dangerous and should be avoided at all costs. Expressing my thoughts and could lead me into deep trouble and eventually lead to rejection. So, therefore, I denied there was any problem and avoided conflict like the plague. <laughs> I remembered some of my mom and dad's fights and I didn't want to end up fighting like them. Eventually, I also tried to keep the peace by not addressing these issues and to pretend that they didn't exist. I remembered my dad used to say that if you didn't say anything, there was nothing. Huh. And by that, he meant like if you didn't say that there was a problem, there was not a problem. And of course, we know that is not true. Yep. That is a great example of how the lies we believe as children affect our thoughts, feelings, and behavior when we are adults. That is just one example of how our childhood beliefs can shape and, and, and dictate the way we relate to God, ourselves, and others. They actually become the realities in our lives. And you know, the worst is that we're often not aware of those beliefs. Especially as Christians, we have the knowledge of God's truths and we try our best to live by them. Unknowingly, these hidden beliefs of our past keep creeping in and show up in our thoughts, feelings and behavior. As I grew up, I was taught to, as a child, to take care of people, even adults in distress. As a Christian, I learned to love others and put their needs first. When I heard your story of struggle and abandonment when your mom died at such a young early age and that your father was an alcoholic, I subconsciously felt that I had to take care of you and help you. In the process, I neglected my own needs and pain by taking care of you. Little did we know that those skewed beliefs had laid the foundation for the enmeshed relationships of an addict and a co-addict, even though... They were not visible signs of that yet. Yes, and that reminds me, Suki, that I was experiencing at that point. Both your parents uh, had cancer when I met you, and uh, there was this beautiful young lady that needed help, and her family was in distress. So your father was also an alcoholic, and that provided me with an opportunity to be the hero and rescuer. By doing that, I was focusing on the stresses and strains in your family 
that distracted me from engaging and developing a real intimate relationship with you. Subconsciously, I saw this competent, beautiful young lady that would be there to help and take care of me and the one I could care I never received as a child. We attracted a few marriage seminars and marriage groups that had modeled healthy relationships, but the knowledge we had gained did not stop us from gradually falling back on our childhood beliefs and behavior patterns that later brought our relationship into deep trouble. Even though we tried to follow Jesus with our whole hearts, we were very involved in church and missions. In the meantime, our two children were born and we continued to serve God and raised our family. Suki, we have not told our, our listeners and our friends about something really important that happened to us when you were a student, something that eventually changed the whole course of our lives drastically. Yes. Since we met each other, we wanted God to be the center of our relationship. While attending a mission conference, we experienced a call to world missions, even before our children had been born. Little would we know that we had to wait almost 17 years for that to become a reality. We got several confirmations that we were called to China, and in 2001, many people thought we were crazy. Yeah, that was the time that I was a lecturer at the mechanical engineering uh, at a technical college. And I remember how hard it was for me to resign my position to start studying theology full-time to prepare to become career missionaries. And I remember how angry and disappointed I was when I felt God did not provide for us the way I thought he would. And I had to start teaching at a school and teach drama afterwards to get an extra income. All that only brought in a third of what you had earned before. I felt I was in the position of the Israelites that had to work harder and produce more bricks when Pharaoh gave them less straw. Mm. But God was teaching us very important lessons about ourselves and that we had to bow and turn our stiff necks to trust him more. We had to be willing to ask for help if needed, as that were lessons in humility. For me, studying theology was very different from applying theology in my own life. I no longer was able to take the role of the breadwinner, and I became dependent on others. That triggered my shame, inadequacy, and insecurities that eventually drove me into depression. Those were hard times. Eventually, we found a missions organization and by 2004, we and our two kids, then 16 and 12, entered the mission field as teachers at universities. Research has shown that the stresses in a semi-closed foreign country are two to three times higher than the highest stresses in our own country. Someone who was a famous missionary trainer accurately said that missions in a stressful cross-cultural setting will take the cracks in your life and expose them like canyons. These stresses of learning Mandarin, raising kids and building relationship with other missionaries and locals while preparing lessons to teach English at university all contributed to the development of a process addiction. And I was exposed by accident 
to pornography material. Um, while even riding on my bicycle, I would be riding past stalls and uh, DVDs on the on the pavement of bicycles and of pictures. Pornographic pictures, right? Uh, pornographic pictures that eventually um, was popped up on my computer and then the pornography addiction was revealed. And very sadly, um, in the beginning, I said that it will take a long time before I view pornography again. However, the frequency and the severity of this problem increased. Every time I would have remorse and I would be guilty and make many promises to stop and I tried many things to stop. I prayed harder, did more Bible study, and read books, but I was not able to stop. So that became a huge, huge problem for me. I pleaded with God to take away this addiction and even to put me to death or pluck out my eyes, but I was not able to stop. That was very hard for me, but it had thrown me back into my childhood beliefs that I had to take care of my husband and help him to solve this problem. It took many years of reading and expanding my knowledge. I prayed and pleaded to God to rescue us. I felt very lonely as a missionary wife. I could not share this terrible secret with anyone. Thankfully, there were American Christian psychologists on the field, and when we finally admitted that we needed help, they came to our rescue. It was only then that we had learned about adult children of alcoholics. When they told us about the characteristics of adult children, we thought they had spied on us and wrote about our behavior. We started going for regular counseling for extended periods of time and believe that or not, in the middle of China. Mm. Reaching out for help beyond myself and Suki in 2010 was when my recovery really started. Part of that was becoming part of a support group where I was able to rewire the brain and uh, where neuroscience actually came into play, uh, which I only found out very later. And uh, it takes, takes about three to five years to rewire the brain. And that rewiring happens in safe communities. This part of the story, Suki, is very difficult for me to tell. The wounds of my past started being revealed, and I tried to read scripture and Bible studies, and, but I was not able to stop. Seeing that my faith was based on religious practices, I had to learn more and more uh, what it meant to be connected and what it means to have a relationship with God, myself, and others. One of the counselors said that I was addicted to shame. On top of the porn addiction, shame was the coping mechanism to medicate all the stresses and strains that I was experiencing. But only by God's grace and the miracle of our relationship uh, was survived. It's only by God's grace and a miracle that our relationship survived. After trying so hard to solve the problem, it was a losing battle, and I was losing everything that mattered to me. I eventually reached out for help. 
And during this process, we started learning about intimacy, becoming aware of our feelings, recognizing erroneous beliefs that were hampering our relationships with ourselves, God, and each other. We had to become aware of our feelings and had to learn to share this in appropriate ways. I experienced deep betrayal and I often felt objectified. I cried a lot and felt overwhelmed and very lonely. We were so enmeshed that we didn't know where the one stopped and the other one started. I was addicted to taking care of Frederick and what he felt, I felt. And what she felt, I felt. And it was a complete mess. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that God still used us as cracked vessels in the mission field. Yeah. We got completely overwhelmed by one another's dysfunctions. We just see how amazing God's mercy is, as he still used us, and many students and people got to know him amidst our brokenness. We gave out many Bibles and were involved in language study, ministering at international church, and helped leaders of home churches. But it couldn't continue the way it did. Even though I had obtained sobriety and was growing in my healing and wholeness, we needed to leave the field for deeper healing. We were recommended to study further in order to return with higher qualifications. So we spent about two years in South Africa preparing to go and study in the USA, where our children were studying with the aid of scholarships. In South Africa, I joined a 12-step support group, and uh, it was uh, helping me to identify all the defects of character as a result of the sexual addiction. Working the steps and praying for the Lord Jesus' help brought deeper levels of healing. However, the old patterns of self-shaming and triggering to depression continued. I was no longer addicted to my addiction and acting out, but the defects of character were still present. In NAA, they refer to this as a dry drunk. There was still a wide disconnect between me, Suki, and others, and God. The journey towards intimacy continued. By God's utter grace, at the age of 50, I got a chance to study my master's degree in drama therapy while getting paid to teach at K-State University in Manhattan, Kansas. I did my thesis and creative project on family and friends of addicts, and I continued on my journey towards healing through Al-Anon, a 12-step group for friends and family of alcoholics. See, the behavior patterns I had learned as I had grown up still affected the way I related to Frederick and was stunting my healing. In America, Father gave me a lady from our local church who loved and supported me. I don't know what I would have done without her. I also got a sponsor who helped me to work the 12 steps and learn to surrender my life to Father deeper than ever before and to live according to His will and plan. Yeah, I had started a master's degree in Christian counseling at Regent University, but I was unable to com complete these studies due to visa restrictions. So, while Stuckey studied, I became involved with a ministry to international students. I also joined a Christian-centered, a Christ-centered recovery program. Papa Father also provided counselors that could journey with me away from the negative patterns that were sabotaging our relationship. 
in 2016 while in America, I relapsed that caused all the shame and guilt to return and broke trust that further eroded intimacy. This took me to attend a workshop to address the core issues of my life that drove me into addiction. So, back in South Africa, my, my journey continued with support groups, counselors, and the wholeness and healing continued to grow. So, now I have sobriety for a very long time, more than three years, and I'm a registered counselor, and I'm able to encourage and counsel others and bring them into a deeper place of intimacy and wholeness. As you can hear, it's been a long, hard journey with lots of pain and brokenness. But it wasn't the end of the story. Back here, we knew that Father was calling us to share our story of brokenness, recovery, and restoration with others. And that's why we can share this program with you today. Yes, and our story may have left you with many questions regarding what did we do and how did we go about to this pathway away from ad addiction into wholeness and habits? How we have hurts, hang-ups, and habits that we want to get rid of. During the course of this program, we'll address your questions. So please send them to intomec at gmail.com. And we will, at the end of each month, answer the questions and get experts to help us with that. All praise to Jesus, who is not only our Savior, the Savior of individuals, couples and families, but also our Redeemer. We're looking forward to spend time with you every Wednesday from six o'clock in the evening. Invite your friends. Yes, thank you very much, Suki, and uh, for sharing this very difficult story with, with each other and with our listeners. And uh, see you again next time. Uh, Lord bless you, and let's play out with our favorite song, The Power of His Love. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bezoek ons gerus op www.kapsekansel.co.za